Is this the Christmas Carol Teen Titans story? That's the one. Oh, it is so dear Lord. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that story from when I was a kid, and I, I even as a kid, I thought, it, "Oh my God, this is super lame." So, yeah, well, I think this should be fun. We've got two shit comics, so yeah, this should I, be. I a think good it's one. great. Back to the bin. You have got to be kidding me. What's that? Alright, I'm I'll I will save it for I will save it for the notes section about your issue. Don't be don't be talking bad about my issue. Mr. Uh, Hendrickson before. gave us that. Oh my lord. Yeah, well I'll be talking bad about him too. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? The Gene Gene suggested Scott picked his Star Trek book and then posted oh. something to the effect of this is the worst book I could find for Christmas. Anybody have any suggestions for anything <laughs> even worse oh. than this? And Gene suggested the Teen Titans book, so I said, I'll do that one. <laughs> so it's and I you know I'm an old softy. I'm I'm okay with the Teen Titans book. It's it's corny as hell and it's silly, but I don't mind it. I really don't. Oh, it's shit. Are you kidding me? You, you wouldn't, we're going to fight, man. <laughs> it's so bad. It's it's dumb. I, I openly admit it. It's it's out and out dumb, but it's like a Christmas episode of, you know, any sitcom where they recreate a Christmas carol. That's what it reminds me of. But why are we debating it now? Why don't we debate it after I do a synopsis on it? Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is you celebrate, because it's the festivus for the rest of us. It's, life uh, day. What about life day? Well, yeah, happy life day. You're not a Wookiee. I'm closer to a Wookiee oh, than you oh, are. Oh, oh, oh. How, <laughs> how many times have you heard the Wookiee call from my house? <laughs> I guess I should put the mic in front of me. There we go. Uh, that, that would only help us to hear you. And that's not a good thing sometimes. Let me let me tell you how wonderful that you moving the mic sound is when I'm driving my car down the interstate at 80 miles an hour on my way to work. Let me let me just tell you how wonderful that 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 sound is because it sounds like a tire just went flat when you're <laughs> got the bass turned up and you're cranking along. You know, the worst thing in the world is when you're going along, and this will turn this into an episode of Get Off My Lawn Cast. The worst thing is when you're listening to something and they do like a police siren on it. <laughs> And you're like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. And then you realize it's on the radio and you're like, oh, okay. I did it to myself once because there's an old episode of Two True Freaks where I put in a car crash and I was driving while I was, you know, editing, you know, like, you know, like, uh, what do you call driving it? While like, you were editing? Listen, well, you know, like, listen, you know, like <laughs> listening to it for, you know, like mentally editing the show um, after it was done and everything. And it scared the crap out of me because it's, you know, I mean, it's from a sound effects album. So it was it was pretty lifelike, especially when you're in the car, you know. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. try to avoid putting stuff like that in because I I get freaked out by it a little bit if I'm in the car and I listen to a lot of podcasts in the car. So I do try you know, to avoid you, that. You actually you said the magic words the the get off my lawn cast, dude. That's got to happen. We we need to commit to that and we need to make that a new addition to you know to the network for for 2017. Because I have had so many, well, frankly, you know, the world just pisses me off. So I've had so many ideas for that show lately, and uh, I had a new one today. And I'm like, why do women do this? And I'm like, you know what? That would be a really good episode, or at least a really good 
part, like maybe like a segment of get off my lawn, depending on how we want to do the show. Do we want to do it like one subject or everybody brings a subject or however we would do it. But I'm on yes, board people, for people, it. As I get older, people are just increasingly just annoying the shit out of me. And I'm really ready to do that show. So things that used to make me happy now annoy me. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm totally on board for doing it. I just I my production plate is full between uh, this. Listen to the profits and is it yours? So you have to take the production reins on that one. Well, I'm I'm fine with that. It's it really to me. I think the only reason it hasn't happened yet is you know like every other show that I used to do. There's just no time anymore. Um, I, I mean, I give you a perfect example. Uh, you know, we were just talking about Gene Hendricks. You know, uh, he and I were supposed to get to the get together last night. We were going to record uh, something, and just you know, again, real life got in the way, and something came up, and so you know, it didn't happen. And I felt really bad about it because it wasn't like work or family or anything. It was just it was you know, a once in a lifetime opportunity came up, and I'm like, you know, damn, I really want to go do this. So I'm like, you know, would you, would you hate me if I went and did this instead of podcasting? You know, no, no, go ahead. But then you know, I've got the guilt, you know. So that's and okay. That. Jeans just like the rest of us, just get shafted along the way. <laughs> oh, stop it! You know that's not true. It's jo- it's only you. What? As far as I know, Gene never got <laughs> stuck in a chair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Don't do that when I'm taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, by the way, I got I got the adult beverage tonight, just to let you guys know. Have you had the prior adult beverage? The what? Have Have, have you already consumed some? Oh no, I have not. No, no, no. I've well, I've consumed about half of this one. Well, that's not fair. All I have is Diet Mountain Dew with a little see, cherry flavor dashed in. See, that doesn't that really doesn't do too much for me because. I don't think one adult beverage is going to get you to the point where you're going to be amusing for everybody. I don't know. We, we, can't, become, we, can't, make, we can't make the monkey dance unless you've had enough <laughs> in you. Oh, you never know. I, I have become something of a lightweight alcohol speaking. Not that I was ever an alcohol heavyweight to begin with. but uh, You're a lush. I, I drink so infrequently these days that you know one of these things, will it'll, it'll have an effect. So we'll see. But I'm just nursing it. I'm just nursing it along. So, plus I don't. I don't. There's all that. I'm much like Pete Puma when it comes to drinks, as far as what I can handle. Pete three or four. Because I can You're do three or four. <laughs> then I start feeling it a little bit. But I, you know, and this, this, just going on with the get off your lawn cast kind of motif. I have no desire to get buzzed. I like having yeah. a drink. I like mellowing out. But I don't want to feel a buzz. I don't like to feel like I'm not fully in control of myself. I do enough stupid things when I am in control of myself. I don't need to to add to that. I mean, you've seen me. God forbid if I really got drunk around you guys. What the hell would I do? <laughs> I don't mind that. I honestly don't. I don't mind the buzz. I don't mind the slightly you know, disconnected from yourself feeling, even feeling out of completely out of control. I really don't mind any of that. What you know, what honestly, the, the wow, man, about, are these my hands Whoa. About, about drinking these days that bugs me that never used to happen is oh, all of a morning. sudden my body temperature soars. Oh. You know, the, the moment I start to feel that buzz, it's like all of a sudden it's like 30 degrees warmer in here than it used to be. And I, and I don't know if that is that just an old age thing or is it the sugar? I, think I don't know what it is. But yeah, <laughs> something. I don't know. I got the vapors. <laughs> Something's going on. I don't know. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna anyway. switch since this is a Christmas episode. I'm gonna switch us to a little Christmas, okay? Because we can all use a little bit of Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like 
Babinmus everywhere we go. So I was thinking more along the lines of, because we need a little Christmas right this very minute. But anyway, uh, if you could have one, and I'm, I know I'm throwing this out you, at you with no prep. If you could have one realistic geek gift this year, what would it be? Real, now the, realistic. Uh, define, You're not asking for Action you, Comics number one. Define realistic. Is it something that I would have something, to buy for myself since I'm the only one with a job? You and, you, and it wouldn't be like <laughs> insane. Oh, that somebody else could give me. Yeah. If somebody was going to give you a geek gift this year, what would make you the happiest? Hmm. Well, I spent uh, I spent a good portion of my day today driving to every GameStop in the area trying to find the last four Disney Infinity figures that I need. Which four you need? And I completely struck out. So I need Which Rapunzel. Which four you need? I need Rapunzel. Rapunzel. I need I need Rap- uh, Francesco, who's the little like Formula One racer looking dude from. I guess oh, he must okay. be from Cars too. If he's from the first Cars, I don't remember him at all. But I'm not really a Cars fan. Um, I need Crystal Mickey and I need Crystal Lone Ranger. And that's it. I'm done at that point. Right, so I, I I'm have... going to throw it out right out there. Anybody listening who has any of those, <laughs> Scott Gardner lives in Oviedo, Florida. There you go. How about you, but, uh, but you have to know how to speak Oviedos. <laughs> Beyond that, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, you know, everybody, everybody, my wife, my kids, my, my mother, my mother-in-law, everybody tells me, oh, it's so hard to buy for you. And I, I consider myself... Like the easiest person in the world to get a gift for because you know you get me like a, you know a, a a, you know some comics or you know, balls you know something shiny you know anything you know a gift I'm I'm that guy who actually would appreciate like an Amazon gift certificate you know I know to some people it's like oh what a shitty gift you know it's you didn't put any thought into it I'm like thank you. Because I would much rather have like an Amazon gift certificate to get what I want as opposed to, you know, here's some shitty tie or, you know, a pair of socks or, you know, some stupid T-shirt that we thought you would like. You know, it's like because my dream gifts are a uh, shitty tie, a T-shirt and and socks. (laughs) I will re-gift that to you this year then. I, I know just who it's going to. But no, I mean, I you know, I at the same time, I'm I I like to think that I'm very gracious about Christmas. I mean, I just appreciate anytime anybody just you know gives me a gift. It's you know, it's the thought that counts, and I I really do believe that. I know it sounds super cheesy, but I really do believe that. It's just it's the thought. I really don't care. It's the know? thought that counts, but yet you want a gift certificate. <laughs> <laughs> you you realize you just said that, right? In like, right. Almost the same breath. I just right, but that's that and that's why people don't want to give you a gift certificate because they feel like it takes so little thought to get that. They want to actually buy you something so that you open up right. and say, "This is what I wanted." Well, I guess in, in honesty, it's it, the problem is it's my mom's fault because my mom, to my memory, has only ever gotten me, I think, two good gifts in my whole life that I can remember, and it's not my fault because when I'm asked, "What would you like?" I'm not I'm not like my wife. I'm not vague. I'm I'm I never for one thing, I never ever ever say, Oh, you don't have to get me anything, which is what I generally get from my missus. What do you want for Christmas, honey? Oh, you don't have to get me anything, which is bullshit. You guys are married, you know. If you don't get them something, oh, that's that's not good, right? Well, I so I know I'm getting something, but give me you know, give me some hints. Give me, you know, something. I, work my wife it. and I really don't we don't really get each other anything because we have the three kids to buy things for and so it's yeah, Although, but I mean, even with that, you should still be getting your business something. No. Oh, dude. What? 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 Jewelry? Oh, no, sorry. no, no. Not, not, not necessarily jewelry, just, you know, something. But anyway, 
I, she has a, she has a, a place to live. If, oh, if like if my mother, for example, my mother asked me, okay, what do you want for Christmas? I'm not going to be vague about it. I'm like, okay, here you go. Here's a list. You asked, so here it is. Here's what it is. Here's the, you know, the ISBN number. Here's where you can purchase this item. There's everything, you know, and never, you know, never, ever, ever. It's always like, okay, so he asked for this book. Hmm. Well, let's get, see. Oh. B starts with book. So let me get him a tie with boats on it. There you go. That's close, right? And I'm like, the hell you know i told so, my mom to stop giving me stuff yeah exactly I, I i said just, just spend I, it on the kids yeah, yeah I, I say give me more uh, <laughs> you i don't need more, more junk. you know i don't need more stuff that's just going to go to the salvation army you know what i mean I hate to see, i'd hate to see that money go into waste in retirement spend it on me <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of which you know talking of uh, of uh Get off my lawn. Oh, my God. What is up with the Salvation Army bell ringers this year? Well, I haven't seen any of them this year. Well, they're behind. I think they're all down well, in Florida. It's too cold up they're here. Like, yeah, maybe. They're like, maybe. Well, actually, they're like 10, 10% below. Uh, there was a news story about it saying that they were 10% below their target goals, and they kind of blame part of it on like uh, that we're moving more and away from cash, so nobody's got cash to, f- to freaking stick in the bucket. That may be part of it, but you know what? So the, maybe they're more desperate now. You know if, what it is for me personally? Because the times I have seen them, I have had at least a little bit of cash in my pocket. And I'm usually, I consider myself fairly generous with that. So, you know, it's Christmas time. But I tell you, the thing that has kept me from dropping anything in the bell ringer buckets this year, I've seen probably at this point, I've probably seen a dozen of them at, at various places, Walmart and what have you. And every single one of them has been on their ass. Every single one of them. Not one of them is standing there ringing the bell. They're all on their ass. And I'm like, seriously? You want my money, yet I had to get off my ass to go earn this money. The least you can do while you're standing there and ringing your super annoying bell is is get off your ass, you know? <laughs> just I don't know. Is it me? Because that really annoys me. I'm, I just consider that... I just think it's rude. I think it's super lazy. I just, I don't like the message that it sends. It's, you know, hi, yeah, whatever. And they're just, I they're just, haven't really noticed if they've been standing wow. or sitting. I, I, right. cause he, I hear the bell and I automatically try to find another way to get in the store. I, I haven't <laughs> seen any this year, so I can't say anything about that. But honestly, I, maybe I'm just jaded, but I don't trust them. Right, I'm yeah. I'm afraid if I put money in there, it just goes into their pockets and, and goes off to buy drugs. Well, <laughs> I'll be so, honest with you. I've had that thought for years. That, well, you'd be better certainly just go. Money does not go to the organization. Just I, I kind of the Salvation Army store and give your money there. I don't, you know. that's what they said on the on the radio program that I was listening to. They're like, you know, if you've, uh, if, you know, if you'd like to come and make a donation or you can go on the website, blah, blah, blah. I donate old clothes to them. Yeah. I yeah I do that too. Be happy to with me. That. I, it's probably wrong to paint all charities with the same brush, but I've I've kind of always thought that you know that whoever it is that you're handing that money to, it's not so much about your giving to that organization as it's pretty much you're giving to that person and you're really doing it because you just want to feel better. You know, you want to feel like I've done my part. I I contributed something to somebody somewhere, and beyond that, who knows where the money goes? Kind of thing. And so I, I long ago accepted that it was more than likely if I was dropping money into the bell ringer bucket, the bell ringer was the one that was getting the money. I just, I don't know. That's probably wrong to think that, but that is exactly what I've always thought. 
So I don't know. All I know is I now have this image of like Bill, like scaling the side of Walmart and rappelling in through the ceiling <laughs> just to get around, you know, going <laughs> past the bell ringer. Like Ace Ventura coming down, <laughs> <laughs> unclipping myself, dropping to the ground. I kind of always had that image of Bill in my mind. <laughs> and then the rope snaps right when I get to the bottom. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm good. He's okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna answer my own question, and it, it's hard to think of things because you guys have been to my house. You've seen how and you much, say, right. "Honey, not here." Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've seen how much geek stuff I have. I mean, the house is full. So now, in order to have new stuff, it has to displace old stuff. Have you been talking to my wife? You know what my wife said to me the other day? She's like, "If you want to bring something else into this house, you got to get rid of something else." And I just looked at her like, oh, "Yeah, yeah, you're, you're the first thing." <laughs> I was just gonna say, did you grab her by the belt loop and be like, "Okay, here we go." Wait. <laughs> but but seriously, do you do you, I mean you've you've been in my house? Do you have as much geek stuff on display as I do? No, me? No. Oh hell no! I have I, I, I have like a ton of stuff. Do, you know. I've relegated. I'm relegated to one room. That's that's my major bitch about. And I, don't get me wrong. I love my wife dearly. You guys know that I do. But that is my one complaint. Not with necessarily with my wife, but just with every wait a basically minute, with wait married a minute, life. With whoa, basically whoa, whoa, whoa. with what? Well, what? You've got more than one room. You've that got all not, those bookshelves right when you walk in the front door. You got all those bookshelves full of books. I've seen them. All right. Well, that is true. That is true. That's just <laughs> nice, that's that's nice overflow. Try. But well, I well, well, you have one room. It's that you don't have all the rooms. You've you've you're 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 like you've you've you're like annexing little spots all over your house because you got all the infinity figures are up by the TV. But what I don't have, <laughs> it's got I some shut have, up. Bill. I don't have my my Crisis on Infinite Earths poster up over like the 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 entertainment center in the living room or like my Avengers <laughs> roster poster I up over top. I thought you were going to say hang it over your bed and I was just like, "Whoa." Or over the bed. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. It's like, you know. Well, that is, that is the beauty of being a solo practitioner, if you will. Uh, <laughs> is that I I have geek stuff in every room of my house. Yeah, well, see, I'm constantly reminded that if I want to have geek things in every part of my house, then I can go back to being a solo practitioner at any point. So, yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> I, no, I, I really, I, those were not fun years. Uh, but anyway, so again, like if I get stuff, I have to displace stuff. So the, it makes it hard to kind of come up with things. Uh, I'm thinking right now, like if I could steer it towards something, it would be to to get me like more of the treasury edition sized books. Right. Cause I, I still, you know, my, my, my collection of those is lacking. I don't know why I got rid of so many of them that I, cause I used to have a ton of them. And now, you know, now Dave Weeder actually had sent me a few, quite a few, a couple of years ago. So that was a great thing. And then over the course of a couple of comic cons, I've picked up a couple of more new ones or old ones. Uh, right. But I think that's, that's the part of my collection that I'd love to fill up that that's been the toughest i think i may have some doubles because i was given some recently a big old stack of them and i think i may have some doubles in there i have to check if i do i'll i'll, I'll check i'll get with you on that yeah that would be very i'd cool. like to help you out i'd like to help you out on that because i love those things too i have a real fondness for the uh, for the oversized books eventually i'd like to own them all and i i have yeah, no so idea I. what my what my ratio is to completion but i would like to have them all and i feel like i have pretty much like like the core you know what i mean like the like the core essential ones that everybody's like oh that, that was a great one I, I feel like for the most part i have those well i i have the, the 
the ones that are most important to me, the Superman, Spider-Man, the two, two uh, different issues of that, mm-hmm. I have both of those. I have the Superman, Muhammad Ali. I would say those are probably the three core books that if I didn't have them, I'd be very upset. I, I consider it to kind of be, you know, as you say, the two Superman, Spider-Man. Basically, it's, it's, it's all of the Superman versus ones or Superman and because I, I consider the Superman versus Wonder Woman one an essential. I love that book. That's a great one. Um, also, you know, Batman versus the Hulk, which, you know, that's, that reminds me, we still have not covered that book we need to do that one at some point. Cause I, I love that book. That's a, that's a great one. And, uh, that one actually informed my knowledge quite a bit of like comic book Hulk. Cause I didn't really know a lot about comic book Hulk at the time when that book came out. Um, and that would be kind of like the core ones. And then it kind of branches out. Of course, you know, the, the Marvel adaptations as well, you know, the, the, first movie adaptations the the various ones i'm thinking like on the top of my list of ones i don't have right now would probably be the uh the reprint of action comics number one which i had and don't have anymore the one that you know they do it treasury size but it's right it's totally uh, recreation I think it's a, like a famous first editions is that like what they that, were yeah. called yeah. yes or uh, and i'm trying to think of the uh the legion of superheroes one with the wedding of uh, Karate Kid and uh, yeah, and Princess Projector, I had that and I don't have it anymore. I think I have all the Legion ones now, um, thanks to uh, to Jay David. Actually, he sent me the one where it's. Um, I know there's other Legionnaires on the cover. I can't remember who any of them are. The only one I, I can remember is it's Superboy, uh, and it's that really awesome Mike Grell Superboy where he's basically just like battling a planet full of freaks. It's like him alone almost, you know, just versus this like sea of aliens. And it's a great wraparound cover. I had wanted that all my life. And, uh, and he, he sent me that just a couple of years ago. He sent that to me. I, I love that book. Um, I think for the most part at this, at this point, I think most of the ones that I lack are mostly reprint stuff. Yeah, I don't think here. any of the original, you know, the ones where there's an original story in there, I don't think I lack any of those. So it's all reprint stuff. But there's uh, there's one that's a, a reprint of the Hulk saga where um, Betty became the Harpy. Yeah, I know that one's um, on your list for the Hercules yeah, Wolverine story. A, yeah, Hercules Wolverine. There's a, that's the only place that story's ever appeared. Um, so I'd like it for that. And then I think there's a Thor one, although I just got a Thor one recently, but I think there's another Thor one I don't have. Um, and like that, you know, just, just the over, you know, the big reprints. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, ones with original stories off the top of my head, I can't think of any that I, that I want that I don't have, but yeah, I, I love those things. I think they're great. And I have a couple of the famous first editions cause I know I have the action one and I think I have a, dis- I think there was one that was detective 27 and beyond that, I'm not sure what other ones I might have. I think I have the Wiz comics one with captain Marvel. That's a good. But one. I remember there was one with like Flash. There was one with like Golden Age Wonder Woman. There was one with the JSA. There was there was several of them, and I don't know that I have those. I can't remember. I think I had them at one point, but I don't know if I still have them now. Um, I, I'm really not sure. But uh, but I, I just love them. I love the, the the whole format of those oversized books. They're great. And there's um. Some of the the reprint ones I had when I was a kid that I no longer have. I think there's a Superman one that I'm missing. I think there might be a Captain Marvel I'm missing. I think there's one of the Christmas ones that I'm missing, too, that I know for a fact I used to have. And at some point it went missing, but I'm not sure which one it is. I don't know if it's the one we're going to be talking about tonight or not. I think I still have that one. 
that I don't remember. But they did a number of uh, of oversized, you know, the tre- the um, limited collector's edition oversized books that were Christmas with the superheroes, and I loved those books when I was a kid. Yeah, I think I the Christmas ones. Awesome. I just have the first Marvel one, and that's not in very good shape. Is that the one with the Hulk like sitting in front of the Christmas tree and like Nick Fury's trimming the tree and all that? Is that the one? I think so. Yeah, I think that's the cover. Yeah, it's got a green cover. Um. I'd have to look at it again, but I, I think so. I think you're right. Right. Yeah, and you know, you know that's, I, that's become like I a thing. Know. When I go into a new store, I, I ask them if they have any treasury books because a lot of times they don't have them on display. Mm-hmm. And some places have them pretty reasonably priced. I mean, I've picked up a few at like between 5 and 10 bucks. Yeah. Which is, for those books, I think is pretty reasonable. Some places have them pumped up, and I just, you know, I just pass those by. I think it all depends on the shop because some shops are able to kind of deal with them. You know, they have a place for them. They fit, you know, all that sort of thing. So they, they make it more of just another collectible. And then there's other places where I think they're more of just a pain in the ass. You know, they don't really fit. They don't really have anywhere for them. So they're just kind of like, you know, five bucks, get this shit out of here, you know? Yeah. And those are the places I'm looking for is the ones that have them, but they just want to get rid of them because they're just a pain, you know? And uh, I've managed to find a number of them that way. Well, the same thing is kind of holding true with my back issues. I, I have had a rekindling of uh, wanting to acquire a lot of the Bronze Age books that I had and don't have any longer or that mm-hmm. I had never gotten in the first place. But I really don't want to spend any significant money on these things. Right. So I'm usually looking, you know, and, and I understand they're Bronze Age books. I'm not going to really find many of them in the 25-cent bins. But I'm usually looking for the, you know, the $1 maybe $2 range. And some stores have that and some, you know, just don't. At uh, New York Comic Con, and it only comes to mind because it's a book that we talked about, uh, I had picked up, there was, there was one vendor that had a huge number of comics and it was $2 a book. That was, you know, it didn't matter what you took. Everything was $2. And I kind of wish I had a little bit more money with me and I had bought more from them because there was a lot of Bronze Age stuff that I would have liked to have gotten in there. Uh, but one of the things I got was the uh, Amazing Adventures, the first appearance of Kill Raven, whatever that was, eighteen or nineteen. Right. Yeah. For for two bucks. So I, you know, I thought wow. that was good. So I took that. And then recently we were by a flea market, and there was a comic vendor there, and I, I, you know, looked through his bins, and everything was, you know, like they were. It looked like they used a guide to price everything, and yeah, he had I that book, that. and it was like thirty five dollars. I was like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, get. You know, I started looking through his bin, and then like everything was so overpriced. It was like I, I didn't even need to go any further. Hmm. So, that sounds like that one that Bill and I found that time. That <laughs> dude with the dude with the cabin off the road. Oh, this old when, fart. When you ask him for, for a book, he looks it up first. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. We have one of them around here too. I don't, I don't bother going in there anymore. And it kills me because he had some nice books. I mean, he had some. I'm sure that if we I'm had sure spent time, yeah, exactly. That's that's the sad thing of it is. You know, I, I'm sure if we had really spent some serious time and done some serious digging through boxes, we would have found some just primo books. But yeah, as soon as he pulled out that like 1983 price guide, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not interested. That was ridiculous. For uh, for the sake of anybody who who is in the area, the uh, the, the the vendor that I said was two dollars a book. The na- their name mm-hmm. is Victory Comics. And I, I inquired with the New York Comic Con people because I thought maybe if they were local, I'd go visit their store. But apparently they're located in Falls Church, Virginia. 
So anybody who's listening who's in that general area, that might be a store that you're going to want to check out because, like I said, they had uh, unless that was just their New York Comic Con special and, you know, back in Virginia they charge, you know, some sort of crazy prices. But if, if they have those $2 bins there, not only would I recommend you go there, but I would recommend you contact me and, uh, <laughs> and maybe I'll give you a list of stuff to pick out for me. Bill, you got that cricket sound effect? <laughs> That's what oh, the I truncates for. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. Scott, you said you had uh, some uh, some business you wanted to cover before we did the books. Yeah, yeah I, I don't wanted... I get to take no. my gifts? Are no. no. Actually, I thought you said we don't give gifts. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, why don't you tell Next. us what you want if you actually exchange the gifts with anyone? Well, I exchange gifts. I just don't buy stuff from my wife. I mean, you said what would I like? Wow. Wow. Jeez. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. What's your news? No, go ahead. What, what, what was your What was your dream geek gift item? Somebody to help me organize my comic book collection. <laughs> That's what I really want. So daunting. Every time I try, I just can't complete it. It's it's. How many it's, How many books do you have? Do you know? I have about ninety short boxes, between eighty to ninety short boxes in my garage in here. Holy crap! So yeah. short boxes hold about how many comics? I would say between 150 and 200. Yeah. Yep. Do they? A short box does. Yep. Yep. Depending on the size, because some short boxes are slightly different than others. So if you had, if you have 200 so a box so on the sh- on, on well, yeah, on the short sh- side we could go. Say I have 90 boxes and they hold 150. That's 13,500 comics. Damn. And that's a, that's, that's a decent sized collection. That's why it's so hard for me to do, and I kind of try to do it when nobody's home, like when they go away on vacation, so I can take over parts of the house. But it gets so tedious, I just, you know, I can do a little bit at a time, but then I forget, and I go back. I'm like, where did I start? What was I doing? So, Well, how are you trying to arrange them? Well, I've, oh, like about color. a year ago, like I was color. able to, <laughs> like I was able to break them up by independent DC and Marvel. I was able to break them up by that. And I was further able to separate the X-Men out of the rest of the Marvel. I got the Avengers and the X-Men separated. I think I got Fantastic Four, Alpha Flight. Like, I've got a couple major ones separated. And then I organized most of the Marvel alphabetically. But I haven't even touched the DC and I haven't touched the the indies. I got no idea what I have. No clue. See, I'd be I'd be willing to come over and help you, but it would I'm, not be a I'm, weekend project. There's no way. I am strictly alphabetical. That's my thing, and I just think that's why. I, well, I'm guessing. Well, what about that, by that's company? Why See, mine... I want it by company. Like Ugh. I'm doing it by company. Why? What difference does it? Because I like all my Marvels with all my Marvels, and I like all my DCs with my DCs, and I like all my other shit with all the other shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can have see to that. Admit, I, I have Marvel, DC, indie. Okay. I wouldn't mind going to alphabetical within that parameter, but I have. Oh, I do. I go alphabetical within company, yeah. Okay, well, that's easier then. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, yeah. But I but and I also wouldn't go alpha, alphabetical by every series title. Like, you know, different Spider-Man miniseries or whatever. I wouldn't have them interspersed throughout. I would have No, Spider-Man you do the same thing I do. X. I put all my Captain oh, America stuff God. together. I put all my Spider-Man this stuff together and I alphabetize inside there. This is why you are not organized, okay? Every every friend I've ever had that's into comics 
has the same problem, which is after a time and after the collection gets to a certain size, they're like, ah, oh, this shit's just everywhere. It's not in any order. One of these days I'll get it all arranged. I'm like, you know, I keep my stuff alphabetical and that's, that's why I'm fairly organized because it's easier that way. It's just, you know, just go straight alphabet. It's the easiest thing there is. It's the path of least resistance. No, it isn't. Mm. Unless you don't know your alphabet. I'd rather put Spectacular Spider-Man with Amazing Spider-Man with oh Web of Lord. Spider-Man with Foes of Spider-Man. Are you trying to give me an embolism? Because that's what's going to happen here. That just that just goes against... It's going to be an episode of Get Off My Lawn Cast. People who piss me off with their organizational skills. <laughs> But I guess a more realistic gift would be, uh, uh, would, um, yeah, I guess horn? my, no, no. Oh, oh fire, fire. <laughs> uh, Avengers two, three, four, and 16. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I need. That's all I need yeah, to finish ooh, my yeah. Avengers. What, but what, while, like I said, I, well, it's a good I have request. Them. I think it's out of the parameter that I set of something you could realistically expect to get. <laughs> well, 16's not, not necessarily crazy. though. 16's not too crazy. Three and four, I don't know. Two, uh, I mean, two and three. Yeah, well, yeah, two probably is three. I don't know. Four, yeah, four's out there. Perhaps we yeah. have a wealthy listener who just yeah. happens to like himself some Doctor Bill. But really, I I already you have. Sleep with Doctor Bill for a week. Fly out of my ass too, but I have them in my omnibus of the first. You know, I have the first. I mean, so I have a version of it. I just don't have the individual floppy. And it right. just kills me that I only need four issues to get the first. If it, if full it run. makes you feel any better, though, I have been listening back through old episodes of Back to the Bins, mm-hmm. and I started basically. I started back when Paul joined the show, and I've been listening forward. And I couldn't tell you what episode it was, but I was recently listening. It was it was an episode like because where I'm listening to you, you basically have just joined the show. And you've you've been on maybe three or four shows and you were just in whatever episode I was listening to. You were just talking about your Avengers collection Hmm. and you had many more than four issues left to get at that point. So, you know, to Hmm. to steal the the tagline of Virginia Slims, you've come a long way, baby. So, you know, and (laughs) it's only like three, four years. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, how long have you been on the show now? Too three, long. I mean, three, uh, three years, four years, something like that. I don't know. Was it 2011? Has it been? I, no, I, 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 I don't know. Find 13, maybe. Answer to that question. Maybe it's been three. I don't know. Three years. I think it's been about three years. So in three years, you filled in. No, it's no, been, it's more, been than more than that than because I just started years. being on the show when I went to work with my last company. So I'd say four. Yeah, it's been more See, than that's three what I years because three years ago is when I came down to Florida to meet up with you guys. Right. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to tell you in just a couple of minutes. Bam, bam. I mean, and I've seen a number 16, and I almost picked it up, but I didn't because I thought I could get it cheaper. But now I haven't seen one anywhere ever, so I should have got that 16 when I saw it, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. How much was it? Uh, I want to say it was like close to 80. Were we together then? eh, We might have been. I think we were because I think I remember that. I think I remember trying to. I think I saw that one at Conjure. And then I saw it again at some other convention, because then, because then, well, there was that Avengers four with the cap, where it was missing the bottom half of the cover and capped, so right. somebody had drawn a buck, like had knocked out one of his teeth on, on, on right. the cover. Right, Bill's and first then, episode on the show, August and they wanted three hundred two thousand twelve. Huh? It's it okay. actually says and introducing Doctor Bill Robinson. <laughs> 
Well, we didn't call you Dr. Bill in those earliest episodes, though. I don't know, but that's what it says on the description. No, the I show. think you guys had already named me Dr. Bill because Chris had given me the book, right? Wasn't Oh, that a, okay. So it's probably over on Two True Freaks then. Okay. Yeah, well, that's so where I got it. It's coming up on four and a half years soon. Mm. Wow. I joined in on, or my first episode was February of 2012. So I'm coming up on five years. Mm. I have six months on you, baby. And a couple inches. Oh, wait, that didn't sound good at all. Yeah, well, that means like your review is coming around then. What's that? I said that means your review is coming around then. <laughs> Demonzo Corp is going to dock me. <laughs> so, we decided uh, to charge you to work here. All right, what? so we, you should get you should get to your business because we got to get to books eventually. This is very true. Okay, so what I wanted to I just wanted to give out some thank yous because uh, some folks have been very very generous lately, and I just want to make sure that they are properly thanked. Um, I love Christmas. I, you know, it's my favorite holiday. I love the season. I, I really get in the mood. But one thing I don't do, I'm really crap about this. I don't send Christmas cards. I just, you know, it's, you know, I could say that it's money. I could say that it's time. What it really comes down to, I'm just a lazy shit is what it well, really comes guess down what, to. Guess what, buddy? So. You're getting one from me. I oh, sent thanks. Out, I sent, I sent, uh, some of the listeners will be getting them. Some of them won't. I don't have everybody's address, but some of you <laughs> will be getting them. I but, sent out uh, 29 cards. I, I love getting them. I, I should send them. I really should. I just I just don't. I don't know why. I don't even know if we have any Christmas cards. Because I asked my wife tonight. I said, do we have any Christmas cards or make thank you one. cards or make any one. kind of cards? Yeah, I guess I could. <laughs> I, I, know, that's a good card. I took a picture and <laughs> what? I, I sent you a mask card. What is so a mask you send card? when somebody passes away. Oh. oh. <laughs> I made my own card. I I took a picture, then I went on the Walgreens site, and I found a border, and I typed in what I wanted on it, and I ordered uh, 40 of them for 20 bucks. And they come with envelopes and the card, and I just had to go buy the stamps. So I spent about eh, – about I think I spent about $40 in total Damn, for everything. 40 bucks? Well, 1880 in stamps and uh, that's a hundred dollars. That's 100 comics in it in Professor Allen's world. <laughs> true that is very true i i just i just felt like i hadn't done enough because i've been getting cards so i sent them out right so. well i was thinking of it also from the aspect of you know in addition to the cards uh that i've received i mean throughout the the course of the year on a pretty steady and regular basis i get stuff from listeners so i really should be sending thank you cards at the very least but that, you know, that said, I do, you know, I do always try to Scott, you know, Scott, give Scott, shout outs Scott, on the show and all that. Scott, so. what? You know, they have creams for that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I just want to give out some thank yous real quick to uh, both J. David Weeder and Paul Riches for sending me Christmas cards this year. And I really appreciate that. I thought that that was really nice. And uh, and I really do uh, enjoy receiving them uh, from, you know, whoever I get them from uh, at Christmas time. Also want to say thanks to Kirk Landry for an awesome book that he sent to me. It is not comics related. It was a, a Walt Disney World related book or actually just a, a Walt Disney Parks uh, related book. But it was really awesome. And I really, really appreciate that. And it's funny that Paul just mentioned uh, Professor Allen because big thanks go to Professor Allen because, you know, I get stuff in the mail all the time. And quite often it will sit here in the house for a day or two. Because, you know, either my wife or, or my son will get the mail, they'll bring it in the house, it'll get disseminated, and then because I'm usually not home at mail time, 
my stuff will just kind of get thrown in a corner somewhere. And I'm, I know they have every intention of mentioning it to me later that, oh, by the way, you got mail. But for some reason, they never do. I just end up finding it. You know, I'm like looking for the bread and I find a stack of mail or something. So that's exactly what happened with this package. Um, this morning, as we're getting ready to leave the house and go Christmas shopping, I suddenly spotted this package that I just thought kind of looked like it might be, you know, an envelope full of comics. So I walk over to it. Sure enough, it's addressed to me from Professor Allen. I'm like, well, when the hell did this show up? And he said, oh, yeah, you got mail. I'm like, yeah, thanks. How long has it been sitting here? So anyway, thank you very much to Professor Allen, because without knowing, apparently, he helped me complete yet another one of my want lists. So here's what he sent. Here was what was here's what was in the bag. Didn't we used to have a what's in the what's in the box segment? Weren't we trying to do that at one point? Yeah, but it only lasted like one. It's we've only done one, it on one show. <laughs> so what's in a box? <laughs> so what I got was King Conan. Number one, number three, number five. Number ooh, I just really got a good look at this cover. Number eleven with an awesome um Bill Senkevich cover. That is really cool. Number 13, number 14, and number 18, which uh, has a really cool Severin cover on it. So these are really neat. I don't have any Conan in my collection. Oh, well, I didn't until now. So now I have some Conan. This is a character that, uh, curiously enough, I was actually wanting to bring to an episode at some point because I know we discussed this at some point. Like, you know, like, what's a character you really don't know anything about that you'd like to bring to an episode? Conan is one for me. I really don't know Jack about Conan, so I thought this would be fun. But what's extra special cool about this is that number three is in here. And number three has been on my list, on my want list, for quite a long time at this point. It's, pro- it's got to be years at this point. Because King Conan number three is actually on display in Restaurantosaurus, which is a uh, food location inside of Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park. So it's part of my sub-collection, the Comics of Walt Disney World collection that I've been trying to complete all this time. Didn't so we eat that's, there? What? Didn't we eat there? We did eat there. Mm-hmm. We sure did. I, I took you guys there purposely because you know I wanted to show you the comics that were on display because I always think that's really neat. So... You know, he helped me uh, tick another one off the list. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, for these, Professor Allen. I really do appreciate it. So thank you for uh, for helping me knock that one off the list. And I look forward to reading these because these look really cool. I, I really – I'm loving the art in these. I, I can remember I had just a few – I think it was just regular old Conan the Barbarian. I had a few that I got at a like a garage sale or something like decades ago, like a small run – and I just was like, eh, Conan, it's sword and sword. I won't read this. And I remember getting rid of them. So I, I don't think I've actually ever read a Conan story. So I'm looking at these and going, wow, the art's beautiful. Why Why did I not hang on to them to at least, you know, give it a try, give it a sample and see what it's all about? And, uh, and I did not. So I'm curious to dig into these and see what the whole deal is. But I, I dig the art. It's really nice. So anyway, that's all I got. That's and that's all the time we have for what's in the box. <laughs> that that is cool. And you know what the funny thing is, although it would be more generous if he spent a lot of money on these, there's a real part of me that would be disappointed if he spent more than a quarter on any of them. <laughs> I'm hoping he did not. I'm really hoping he did not. 
Just because, you know, just because it's coming from him, you want him to have found... You know, if if you got a copy of Action Comics number one from him, you'd want to know that he got it for a quarter. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But we should cover a couple of Christmas books, don't you think? Well, I don't know. Given what our Christmas books are, should we? Should well, you we know, do there's this? traditions that go go down. People like to find like the ugliest sweater for Christmas. <laughs> Pe- people want to the... you know, come up with like sing a song and do it the worst. <laughs> you just came up with the title of the episode, the Back to the Bins Ugly Sweater of Comics episode. Yes, these these are most definitely the ugliest sweaters at the party this year. I like my book. It's an ugly sweater that I like. Okay. I don't, I don't well, deny its ugliness. And keeping with my tradition, I don't have a book. Bill's sweater's really ugly and it's invisibility. <laughs> hey, so I had to fix I had to fix a truck tire when I came Bill, home. Bill, 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 Bill. Coming home and pumping a little air into a tire does not qualify you as fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm testing it to see if it's gonna leak back out quickly. Did or you not. do anything other than pump some air into it? Mm, no. All right. I rest my case. <laughs> but Boy, I, am I tired? I had to put the pump on for a second. Hey, I had to get down there in the dark, on my hands and knees, uh, plug that now? pump in. Did anybody ask you to squeal like a pig? <laughs> <laughs> I was sucking on some fumes. Well, never Wait, mind. What? <laughs> was I was sucking on the exhaust fumes of the Durango. Wow. Get, get a little lightheaded down there. Down there. <laughs> anyway, Scott, I'll, I'll give you the choice. Since Bill doesn't have a book, who would you, would you rather do your book first or second? No, go ahead. You, you, we'll, go, we'll go in chronological order here. Okay, well, I have Teen Titans number 13 from February of 1968. I assume it came out in December. I didn't look at Mike's. I'm sorry. This was suggested by uh, Gene Hendricks. And, yeah, thanks, uh, Gene. <laughs> Uh, well, I appreciate it. It's, 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 I think it was a good choice by Gene, personally. Uh, the cover shows two, two men bowing to each other uh, with a pile of junk in the form of a Christmas tree with the Teen Titans of that era all kind of stuck to it. And the Titans at that era were Robin, Aqualad, Wonder Girl, and, excuse me, and Kid Flash. And it says, Presenting a Christmas Happening. And uh, the one person who's bowing, he's got a top hat in his hand, and he says, a Christmas gift to you, Mr. Big. And the other guy who has a fedora says, no humbug, this, Mr. Scrooge. And that's about it for the cover. Uh, We were running a little short on time, so while I did read my book, I did not have a chance to synopsize it, so I have lifted a synopsis from uh, DC Wiki. And the story is written by Bob Haney, art by Nick Carty, and the letters are by Joe Letteries. I'm wondering if that's a non de plume, huh? Probably, I'm assuming, yeah. <laughs> Letteries. After Tiny Tim Ratchet discovers that his father's employer, Mr. Scrounge, is letting criminals use the junkyard for illicit activity, he contacts the Teen Titans, who, noting the situation's parallels to Dickens' classic tale, haunt Scrooge as the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. The story opens, while reading comic books, the Teen Titans tease Robin, the boy wonder, for reading Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Called out for being a square, Robin swaps out the book for a Batman comic book. 
Miles away, Bob Ratchet toils away in the freezing cold at the Junko-Rama for Mr. Ebenezer Scrounge. Ratchet departs for the night just as two shady characters arrive. Unbeknownst to Ratchet, his crippled son, Tom, is also on the property, looking for Ratchet. Tom watches from the shadows as Scrounge accepts payments from the co- payment from the crooks. The two men unload a large pile of junk from their truck. Activating a strange, activating a strange device, the men transform the junk parts into brand new expensive goods to be sold in the States. Uh-huh. Tom <clears throat> hurries home to inform his father of Scrooge's crooked dealings with the smugglers. Ratchet confronts Scrounge. I just said Scrooge, too. <laughs> who admits to renting the junkyard to the two men. Furious over Ratchet's accusation of wrongdoing, Scrounge forces Ratchet to work on Christmas Eve. Tom contacts the Teen Titans, who come to the Junkarama to investigate the smuggling operation. The Teen Titans stealthily leap onto the smuggler's truck as they arrive to make another delivery. Before the Teen Titans can act, the smugglers are attacked and beaten away by a shadowy figure. The Teen Titans follow the shadowy figure to Scrounge's home, where the man is revealed to be Jacob Farley. Scrounge's old business partner. <laughs> Having escaped from prison, Farley has come to exact his revenge on Scrounge for allowing Farley to take the fall on prior crooked dealings. Kid Flesh separates Farley from Scrounge. Irate, Scrounge calls the authorities to arrest Farley and remove the Teen Titans as trespassers. Farley escapes in the confusion, with Scrounge breathing down his neck the entire time. Ratchet completes his Christmas Eve shift. That night, Scrounge is visited by the ghost of Christmas past, really Kid Flash in disguise. As the ghost, Kid Flash suggests Scrounge change his ways. Aqualad, posing as the ghost of Christmas present, points out all the ways Scrounge hurt the people around him. Posing as the ghost of Christmas future, Wonder Girl torments Scrounge with the knowledge that no one will miss Scrounge when he dies. Ratchet's son Tom is the sole voice of compassion amid a cacophony of disdain and hatred towards Scrounge. At that moment, Mr. Big, the head of the smuggling operation, and his two gunsels arrive. Wonder Girl is shot down from the sky, revealing the ruse played on Scrounge. The Teen Titans race to a rescue, beating down Mr. Big's thugs. Wonder Girl is drawn from the Teen Titans' grasp by an industrial magnet, then dropped into the car compactor. It takes all her Amazon strength to keep from being immediately crushed. Robin takes out the thug operating the compactor. Mr. Big activates Scrounge's anti-theft device. Robin is suddenly forced, forcibly drawn into a large pile of junk. Kid Flash 2 is stopped in his tracks and pulled into the junk pile. Aqualad is just able to finish beating up Mr. Big's gang before he is also yanked into the junk pile. Finally, Wonder Girl falls prey to Scrounge's anti-theft device being dragged from the air into the junk pile. With the Teen Titans held fast to the junk pile, Tom barrels into Mr. Big with his wheelchair. Mr. Big yanks Tom out of the wheelchair that has, then has his minions destroy it. Seeing Tom being brutalized, Scrounge turns off his anti-theft device, freeing the Teen Titans. Scrounge attacks Mr. Big, while the Teen Titans subdue Big's gang. With the criminals defeated, Scrounge turns their device on Tom's wheelchair, transforming it into a brand new electric model. With a new perspective on life, Scrounge changes his ways, offering Ratchet a substantial pay raise while also providing a new heater for the office. And that's the Christmas spirit. Uh, I know, I know this is bad. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's it's Bob Haney. Um, 
I don't know what what totally to make of it, but if I were ten years old, I would probably read this a hundred times. As stupid as it is with the machine that turns things into brand new products, and I'm still not sure why that's illegal to use, honestly. Uh, but I just enjoyed it. I thought the artwork in it was pretty good by uh, Nick Cardi. I think, especially like the scrounge scenes, he kind of creates that that old England look. It looks like you know almost as if you were. You know, doing a, a classic comic of A Christmas Carol. Uh, so I, I think it's pretty cool the way the artwork is. And the story, like I said, stupid as it is, it's just kind of fun to read. Uh, I love Bob Haney's, you know, 60s speak. You know, when they talk about Wonder Girl, they call her Wonder Chick. Uh, you know, just, just little things like that that I get a big kick out of. And, and I, I enjoy reading the old Teen Titans books for that reason. Because they're just so, so... They, they lay it on so thick that it's just fun to read them. But uh, let's hear the counterpoint to that. <laughs> well, my my biggest complaint with this is the campy nature of it. I mean, it's it's so over the top. The, the whole adapting... And this, in fairness, it's not just this issue. I mean, it seemed like... I don't know that they do this anymore, but it seemed like when I was growing up, every TV show, every sitcom, every cartoon, everybody had a Christmas Carol episode. The Flintstones, for God's sakes, had a Christmas Carol episode with uh, with Mr. What was his name? Mr. Slate. Slate playing the part of Ebenezer Scrooge, you know? And uh, it was it was it just got out of hand. It just got ridiculous. So I remember reading this one as a kid and just finding it even even as a kid, the most grown worthy thing. I think think the grown worthiness and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think the grown worthiness is why I enjoy it so much. (laughs) Okay. All right, in fair, I, I guess I could see that. I mean, if you if you just want a good like, oh, dear Lord you know, type of story, then, then, okay. You know, this one's definitely going to give you that. Um, you know, what's funny though, is, is flipping back to, I have not looked at this and it's gotta be decades at this point, because I'm familiar with this story from, uh, limited collector's edition C 34, which was one of those great big oversized treasury size books, um, Christmas with the superheroes. And this was the classic one that, that I'm sure you know so many of us had, where it was a Nick Cardi cover, and you had a wreath, and inside the wreath was Santa Claus standing in front of um, Superman, Batman, Captain Marvel, and then behind them are the Teen Titans. And it was just a big old reprint book, and it was all Christmas stories. And I think, if I remember right, I think the Superman one was like a Golden Age Christmas story. I don't remember what the the uh, Batman and, and Captain Marvel ones were in that specific um, version of Christmas with the superheroes. But the Teen Titans story was this. And I can remember loving everything else that was in that book except this one. I just didn't like it. I, I didn't like, you know, the, the you know, adapting a Christmas Carol thing. And as a kid... I really, really didn't like the art. But what's funny is, again, this this just must be an example of me having, you know, changed my taste or something. Because I look at it now, and I, I'll be honest, I don't love it. 
but I don't hate it. I mean, I like it a lot more than I than I did when I was a kid. Uh, you know, there's a lot of it that actually does look really good. I, I'm impressed as hell with uh, with Cardi's Robin. I think Robin looks really good, and Wonder Girl for the most part looks really good too. She All looks the- really. I mean, for a teen. Yeah. 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 Okay, it wasn't just me. I don't feel like quite. The, I feel like quite the perv pointing it out. <laughs> you should, especially when she's being crushed by the car crusher. I'm kind of like, whoa. Well, I can't help but notice though that on page 16, where she's literally shot out of the sky, that I'm pretty sure the shot is hitting her in the side of the head. So why is she not dead? Oh, because it grazed her. Uh, that's what they always say. I know. I, I was, that was the first thing when I re- read it. Every time a superhero gets shot, it's a grazing blow. Or it's, you know, obviously not to a vital organ. Right. No, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like a shot, uh, like an issue where somebody got shot and like, you know, they died. The only thing I can think of is uh, Blue Beetle by, uh, what's his name? Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord. It's the only time I can think of where somebody actually shot somebody. And that was point blank. The only other one I can remember was, uh, I think it was the very first issue of the Black Orchid three-issue prestige mini, where she gets captured while she's, I think she's on a, like an, like she's infiltrating some company or something, and she gets caught, and the guy ties her to a chair, and he just delivers this great little speech where he's like, you know, I'm not going to do the Batman thing and, and set up this fancy death trap. I'm just going to kill you. And he shoots her point blank in the head. And that's how the, the thing starts. And I always thought that was really cool because he, he doesn't do the typical like Bond villain. You know, he just, yep, you're going to die. And boom, she's dead. And I always thought that was really cool. We need to do that one at some point on the show, too, because I haven't read that one in a long time. But I remember that being really good, too. But that said, I you know, you. at the end of the day, I get more of a kick out of like the ads in the book than I do of anything of, you know, having to do with the content of the actual, you know, the story or anything like that. Um, you. But yeah, the, the art actually is is pretty good in a lot of instances. It's not what I remember it to be art wise story. It is it is everything I remember it to be, unfortunately. <laughs> But the, again, the story is dumb, but it's it's uh, to me it's fun dumb. It's it's sil- you know DC Silver Age fun, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, what Bob Haney is. I don't, I don't know if Bob Haney ever wrote a serious story. Well, I, you know, okay, here here I think is really the crux of my of my problem with this. So they acknowledge that it's not it's not the true uh, ghost of Christmas. This isn't your typical enactment you know reenactment of a christmas carol because it's not really the ghost coming to haunt the guy it's robin fresh off a read of a christmas carol going you know what let's do the scrooge treatment to this guy okay that in itself is actually kind of a neat concept sort of except haney then feels the need to have mr scrounge and Jacob Farley, and what was it, <laughs> Tiny, Tiny, Tom. Tiny Tom Ratchet, and it's Wait. like, oh, for Christ's sakes, really? You know you what know, I get a kick out did... of? On page 11, it's, haven't you characters begun to dig it yet? Ebenezer Scrounge, Jacob Farley, Tiny Tom, yow, I dig Scrooge, Jacob Marley, Tiny Tim, it's just like Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It really took them that long to figure it out. right. You sound like <laughs> Christopher Walken saying that. Wow, don't you kids get it? It's Scrooge. Hello. <laughs> Stupid. Pay yeah. attention. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I dig. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, exactly. And it, it's like, okay, how stupid precisely were the children that were reading this? Or how stupid, I guess, did they think those kids call were? Me stupid, man. That they, <laughs> that they actually had to spell it right out like that at the bottom of page 11. I mean, it's not enough that you're already insulting my intelligence by doing that in the first place in the story, but now you're actually pointing it out to me as if I'm, I'm really that dumb that I didn't catch it on my own. I know I didn't figure it out. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I just, that, that ultimately I think is really my problem. It, it, it's not, it's okay. You know, so you've got parallels. You've got the crotchety old bastard who's being really evil to the poor guy that, that has to work for him. You know, is that not enough? You know, and there's your parallel. At some point, Robin goes, you know what? This guy needs to be taught a lesson. And it's Christmas in the spirit of the Christmas season and fresh off a read of Christmas Carol. Let's Scrooge him. Let's do that. But but it's this extra step of all of the names that are just a little off. It's it's just I'm sorry. You know, I can buy, you know, Everything else with this story, you know, the, the the kid that can breathe underwater and the kid that can run super fast and the girl that can bounce brace, you know, bullets off her bracelets. But Mr. Scrounge and Jacob Farley and all that's just that's a bridge too far in this case. Bridge just yes, I need reality in my in my uh, fantasy, I guess. But. I, I do agree with you with some of the art choices, though. I'm looking uh, right now. I'm looking at page twelve. That last panel on page twelve of the of the light coming out of the snow covered bus. That's cool. That looks really neat. Oh, on on twelve. Yeah, page twelve. That last panel where it says, uh, "Many long hard hours later, as Christmas Eve arrives, and you've got oh, it's Ratchet. Ratchet's going home. So, what do they work out of a school bus? Is that what that is? Wait a minute. I don't think I'm on the right. It's the same. Yeah, well, that's what it looks like. That it's like the junkyard is a school bus kind of thing. I got you. Okay. The, yeah. Like the office, I guess, to the junkyard. Yeah. Well, look on page, what is that? Well, three. You can see the school bus. And it looks like a car from Cars. Like it's a school bus from Cars. It looks like it has eyes. Right. See, it's, <laughs> yeah, I did That's see the first that. thing I thought. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It looks sad. Like it's a sad, broken down, sad, sad bus. But it does. It looks like a sad face, and then the chimney out the side almost makes it look like it's smoking a stogie or something, like a broken cigarette. And it's or got something. two little dots on like the front window that make it look like eyes. Yeah, so I think it looks almost like a house in Whoville. <laughs> the, I, I don't, I can't remember the Whoville it's songs. It's funny that you bring up Whoville. Oh Jesus! <laughs> funny you bring up Jesus, Bill. What? Well, before we go to Whoville, <laughs> why don't we, uh, why don't we rate this? Okay. Okay, uh, and I guess I rate it first. I rate it. <laughs> I think By the, the way, wait a minute. Yeah. So this kid headbutts this guy in a wheelchair? Man, don't have you headbutt people in wheelchairs? Uh, no, I just headbutt people. I don't do okay. it in a wheelchair. But, man, if he got some speed going, he could really take somebody out. Now, granted, I've never sat all the way through Top Gun, but I do not remember it being anything like this ad on page, uh, up across from page, what is this, four? What? Top, Top Gun, gun ad. Across from page, yeah. Top Gun number 72. Actually, well, it's Showcase. Oh, Showcase. Doesn't that look so, like Superman on the cover? Oh, totally, yeah. As as a Western, it's like Clark Kent in the Old West. Yeah. It's Johnny Thunder, according to the yep. ad. Clark Thunder. <laughs> it does, though. It does look like... Well, I wonder who did the... 
who did the art right there? Because yeah, that's that's pretty much Superman in the Old West, is what that looks like. Yeah, definitely. That's easy. It, right now, he does spit, spit girl. girl. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Very much. It looks like a Garcia Lopez Superman, is what it looks like. Praise you know, be his name. <laughs> I, I think this probably predates him, though. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sorry, we interrupted your grading. That's okay. Yeah, what else is new? Uh, I think the cover, you know, it's kind of clever the way they turned the junk pile into a Christmas tree. Uh, but it just, I don't know, it's, it's not, it doesn't gr- totally grab me. So I'm going to say a B- minus on the cover. The interior art, I really like the interior art. I, especially the, like I said, the scenes that are supposed to really kind of uh, go with a Christmas carol. Uh, I'm going to say a B- plus on the interior art. And story-wise, I think that's where we're going to differ the most. Uh, it's incredibly stupid, but to me it's fun stupid, and I really enjoyed reading it, even despite the stupidity. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a B-plus on the story also, and I'm sure we're not going to agree on that. Why don't you go ahead and slam me now? Oh, slam overall, me now. overall slam I'm going to give now. the book a B. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, let, let Bill go next. Before you... Before you spit venom on it, <laughs> I like the cover. It's interesting. They're all wrapped up in the junk. Whoops! <laughs> what? <Ew. laughs> uh, at least they're not in a trunk with the junk. <laughs> but um, oh, I just noticed that Aqua Lad's like in a tub. <laughs> Get it? Aqua Lad tub. And they got Wonder Girl strapped to a bedpost. Is there any subliminal messages in this picture? Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. Mm. Yeah. Kid Flash is actually through a car radiator. Through yeah. a radiator, and he's That's tied. Cool. He's got tires around his feet. So there's like a lot of little symbolism, I think, in here. But so, he's got uh, a tire around one foot. He's got a, I think, a rim around the other, and then he's got yeah. some sort of another, he's got a wheel another kind of wheel-looking thing around the, each of his arms. Yeah, he's got like wagon wheel wheels around his arms. Yeah, he's like being held down by a car. I guess I guess they just figure most of the stuff that would be in a junkyard are automotive, so that's I think that's mm. really the only message they're giving. With yeah, because Robin's kind of looks like he's being held by part of a maybe a motorcycle behind him and uh and a he's tire. Got his leg through a tire also. Yeah, yeah, but why is Wonder Girl strapped to a bedpost? I think that's a radiator. Oh no, there is a bedpost. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bedpost, dude. It's a radiator on her ass, though. Because she's got a hot ass. Glad I wasn't the one that went to Creepsville. She's got a bitchy face on that cover, though. Yeah, she does have uh, S, uh, uh, SBF. <laughs> yeah. Standing bitch face. So uh, the cover, I'm actually going to give a cover. I, I like the cover. I'm going to give it a B plus. I think it stands out. It's different. Um, the interior art, I think the interior art is very good. As, uh, also, I, I, I like the sad the sad school bus with the Junkarama sign on the top of it. I like the way on, on that same page, the way... Uh, Cratchit or uh, whatever we call them um, looks. Um, so uh, the interior art, I'm going to give that a B as well. And the story, first time I've ever read this, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. Yes, there are a lot of versions we see of, of Ebenezer Scrooge and, and, and the story. But you know what? I don't think it's as prevalent anymore as you think, Scott, because just recently... Um, the the term humbug came up in a conversation, okay, and my daughter Sarah says, "What's a humbug?" And I turned to my wife and said, uh, "You you can take this one. You you failed this time around." <laughs> that our daughter doesn't know. I'm like, we're like, that's from Ebenezer Scrooge, Christmas Carol. 
yeah, I know the story, but what's a humbug? What does that mean? Okay. It means you're like, like that. Ah, you don't want anything to do with it. It's just, you know, it's humbug. It means humbug. What's wrong with you? I shouldn't have to explain humbug. Even I think it means, think it means a dog's testicles, doesn't it? No, that's a bullocks, I think. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. So even Ben knew what humbug meant. And Ben's the idiot child of mine that didn't know that Christopher Reeve was Superman. <laughs> I had his forces to sit down and watch Superman 1 and 2. Poor Ben. Not for oh. having to sit through Superman 1 and 2, just... <laughs> Whatever it is. So, uh, so the story, I'm actually, I think I'm going to I'm gonna be probably on Paul's side. And, um, and I'm not just sucking up. I, I kind of like the story. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go to B minus. B minus C plus, like right on the right on the cusp. Okay. So I guess that makes it a a B book for me. All right. Well, the cover, I'm I'm not a fan. I like aspects of the cover. I like generally speaking, I like how Robin looks, um, <coughs> and that's about it. I like everything about Wonder Girl except the the face that she's making right there. She really does have bitch face right there. It's it's really bad. Um, but I really don't care for much of the, the rest of the cover. There's a lot of negative space. I really don't like the coloring, I think, is my biggest problem with it. I was tempted to go a straight D on the cover. Whoa. However, I noticed something. Did you guys catch that the little round faces up at the top for Robin and Aqualad, you know, the members of the team, they're actually ornaments dangling off the top of the cover? And I thought that was really clever. I thought that was cute. I didn't catch that the first time around. So I thought that was cool. So that. Oh, that, yeah. 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 That impressed me just enough. Oh, yeah. That, they're that yeah, they're all, the they're all or- ornaments. All of them. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to bump it up to a C minus on the cover. It pains me to say that because I like Nick Cardi. He, he is one of my absolute favorite cover artists from, you know, the late silver and, and early bronze age. If you believe that DC, you know, had a bronze age. And so I like, you know, so many of his covers are just, you know, the covers of my childhood. But I just I never did like this one. It's just there's something in the composition. I just I just really don't care for the interior art is not as bad as I remember. It actually does have a lot of places where I actually rather enjoy the art inside. Um, a lot of it is very interesting. However, I'm, I'm wondering who inked him on this, if, if it's him you know, penciling and inking his own work, or if there was an inker involved, I, I didn't see that anywhere in the credits. So there's instances I really like, and then there's instances that I really don't like. And I think the biggest thing I don't like is I don't like Scrounge himself because he's like some weird hybrid between like Jim Backus and the dude that played Fred Munster. Uh, yeah, Fred Munster. I can't remember Herman what his Munster. name was. Her- Herman, Herman Munster, rather. Fred um, Gwynn? Fred Gwynn, yeah. He, he's just... And I don't know, Jim just, Bacchus. Hey, yeah, Magoo, you've done it again. Exactly, yeah. He's like some weird hybrid between the two. He's just kind of freaky looking. And, I, and he's, Found your cat in my yard. However, the shots of Wonder Girl in the skimpy Santa outfit are quite nice. I really like that. Um, Robin, again, looks good. You know, I often credit... Um, George Perez as being the only person that ever really drew this, you know, the pixie boot version of Robin, you know, worth a damn. But I got to take some of that back because uh, he looks really good here. So I I like that. So 
I'm kind of torn on the interior art. It, it vacillates greatly for me between stuff I really like and stuff I really can't stand. So it's weird. So I, I guess in fairness, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go middle of the road on that as well. I'm going to go a C on the interior art. And I mean, some of it, you know, much of it is actually much better than a C, but there's a lot of it that I just, I really don't like. And again, I think the coloring uh, and the inking may have something to do with that story. <sighs> I, I gotta be honest. I think the story's a, fr- a, a flat F. I just I cannot forgive the the names of the characters thing. If they hadn't, you know, if if Haney just hadn't crossed that bridge, you know, if he'd done all of this setup and the guy had just been, you know, Mr. Smith and the guy that worked for him was Mr. Johnson and you know the the ex partner was you know you know, Joe, whatever, then I, I could totally forgive everything else with this story, but by making them, you know, basically just like a letter or, or, you know, something off from the actual characters in a Christmas Carol, that to me, just that crossed that line of just ridiculousness. It, it crossed into parody really. And, uh, and I, I didn't like that. So, um, overall, I, I guess I would probably average out to, I, I guess about a, I don't know, I guess about a, a, C minus, I guess. So yeah, that's where I'm going to go on this. I'm going to say C minus. Um, it's it's like it's below average from what I would expect of you know a Teen Titans of this era. See, I'm going to say sorry, Paul. I'm going to say that the fact that it goes into parody to me is what makes it acceptable. If they had ex- you know, like if I thought they wrote it expecting us to take it seriously, then it would be an F for me. But the fact that I think it is parody makes me amused by it, and that's what saves it. Where's okay. your Christmas spirit? Where's your <laughs> Moses now? Oh, yeah, you missed that. That We were doing Edward G. Robinson as... Uh, what were we doing? I don't even remember now. What the heck was, was I that doing was Edward G. Robinson? I, I can hardly I know. what happened 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't... I, I, what did you guys even know yesterday? Shh. Ah, okay. Yeah, we did. We did the... Uh, well... Hey, Paul, by the way, did that episode come out? <laughs> yeah, it did. Okay, thank God, because we weren't doing it the third time. <laughs> oh, okay, I know what you did. We did the Commissar episode. Uh, thanks for taking a bullet for me. I appreciate that. Oh, we had a blast. We even came up with a new way to do a synopsis. I would imagine that one would be fun, though, just from you know a, a bad a bad issues you know perspective. Or at least I think that one's a bad one. I don't know. Maybe you guys feel differently. We oh, certainly no. felt differently no, about this one. <laughs> it's a bad one. I'm sorry, you, Paul. I, I feel like I'm... From a book that we disagree as to how bad it is to one that I think we're going to agree <laughs> about how bad it is. Oh, you didn't like this? Ah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, so for my book, we are jumping all the way to 19... Well, according to the cover, 1988. It's actually... This is Star Trek The Next Generation, Volume 1, Number 2. Now, this is the DC six-issue miniseries that came out more or less concurrently with the with the kickoff of wow, Next Generation they, on television. They mm-hmm. wasted an issue of the six-issue miniseries with this story? Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, make it so, make it so, make it so. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping. 
and I brought me some tea gray hot. The lights ah. turn way down low. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. When we finally kiss. Good night. How I hate going out in the storm. But if you... Really? Shut up, Wesley. All the way home, I'll be warm. Oh, the fire is slowly dying. And my dear... We're still goodbye, then. But as long as you love me so... Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Uh, this was on sale December 1st, 1987 and sold for a whopping buck, which I remember being kind of expensive at that time. Um, as I said, this uh, this was released more, you know, this series was more uh, released more or less concurrently with the first uh, season of Next Gen. As I recall, I've only ever read the entire series, the entire six issues one time. I read them as they were coming out and my lasting memory was it was not good. And that's it. I remembered no details. I remembered that the characters seemed out of character, but a lot of that was in um, hindsight, of course. Um, you have to remember that the characters themselves, I mean, if you've ever seen the first season of Next Gen, then you know what I'm talking about. The characters are not fully formed. All their motivations and their character you know, quirks and ticks and all that hadn't fully formed yet. So they were, they were in a very fluid, a very uh, proto state. And man, does it show in this particular six-issue mini, and I think in particular in this issue. So the cover on this is by the same art team as the interior, so I'll get to that in a moment. And it depicts something. I don't even know where the hell to begin with this cover. It's weird. You've got, they're in this ill-defined room, and through the window behind them, or maybe it's a view screen, I don't know, you see uh, this weird-looking alien-like bird-like ship behind them. Um, it's a in partridge, room, I, I guess. Yeah, it's I like a know. cross between like a magnet and a bird and an ark or something. I don't know what the hell it's supposed to be, or maybe a giant egg. I don't. I don't know. You've got these guys that kind of look like space ninjas or something, with their weird, almost like laser harpoon guns or something. One of them has kidnapped Tasha Yar, and the other one is ripping off his mask and menacing Captain Picard, who looks like he's doing some sort of dance move or something. It's like in, he's going, "Stop, hammer time!" You know, it's just yeah, it's he an interpretive like dance, striking a pose. Yeah, strike it's a pose. Weird. I'm gonna dazzle him with my jazz hand. I don't know what the hell that is all about, right there. I surrender. Oh, sorry. You've got the room is full of <laughs> snow. And yeah, that might. That's Don't probably kill me. that is very likely what he's saying. Well, he would have done that in the first issue though, because he did it in the first episode. And then there's snow all over the ground. You've got Wesley going, "I've fallen and I can't get up." And then the Christmas tree in the background is actually the thing that always draws my attention because it's like, who did this shitty half-assed job? It it, on trimming the tree. They did the top of the tree and that's it. It's just it's like they a, stopped. I'm done at this point. It's a sentient Christmas tree because it's like leaning its head like, oh, I can't <laughs> believe I'm on this cover. Why am I here? It, it does God. look like it's it's leaning to see around. Oh, what's, the, hey, what's that? My cards. <laughs> what are you surrendering to? Again. Don't let him get me, Captain. Oh my Take God, you're right. The woman. It, 
it really does look like a sentient tree. You're right. Save me a number one. (laughs) It's bad. It is a bad, bad cover. If I hadn't gotten this, if I had never bought this back in the day, just because I was a Star Trek fan and all that, then I, I probably would never have gotten it because it's just, this cover does not make me, this does not in any way scream by me. <laughs> this really screams, I belong in the 25 cent box and I'm going to live there for the rest of my days. You know, it's like it's they're just... holding up their hand. Save your money. Save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. All right. So the title of the story is actually, according to what's in the issue, called Spirit in the Sky. <sighs> However, Greenbaum rolls over in his grave. <laughs> So I have actually decided <laughs> that I think the much better title for this would be How the Grinch Soiled Next Gen. So that's what we're going <laughs> to run with on this. The writer was Michael Carlin. I don't know what he was, you know, what substances were running through his blood, you know, bloodstream at the time. I, I don't even want to speculate on that. We'll, we'll, you'll see what I'm talking about in a he moment. He was uh, drinking some of Worf's special eggnog or something. I don't know. Yeah, something, uh, man. He was really, he was hitting the eggnog a little too hard. Uh, Pablo Marcus is the penciler. Uh, Carlos Garzon and Arnie Starr are the inkers. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this art team is pretty much the same art team through the entire six-issue mini, which is another reason I really didn't care for the entire six-issue mini. Um, let's see what else you got. Letter was uh, Robert N. Uh, Robert M. Panaha, and Carl Gafford was the colorist. That's pretty much uh, everything. Robert Greenberger was the editor on this. So, here is my synopsis. Handwritten, I might add. So we open to aliens chasing a fireball through space, and they're very odd-looking spacecraft. Next, we get a captain's log update from everybody's stodgy, you know, favorite stodgy old bastard, John Luke Picard, in which we learn that it is Christmas time in the 24th century. Aww. Picard, yaw, or yaw, rather, <laughs> Jordy and Data are relieved of their bridge duties by Commander Riker, Lieutenant Anonymous, the human target, and an ET that lo- uh, named Scooch. No, seriously, his name is Scooch. I, I'm not making that up. Is that Lieutenant Scooch? Lieutenant, I don't know what his rank is. I'm gonna, yeah, Lieutenant Scooch. That works for me. <laughs> uh, Riker tells his boss to quote unquote enjoy the parties, but he should have remembered who he was talking to because the crotchety old fart just barks back how he hates parties. And the holidays, and children, and Ah, puppies, and rainbows, and sunshine, and women, and anything else that isn't the complete works of William Shakespeare. Why are there children on my ship? (laughs) So Troy accompanies them, despite there being no one to relieve her, but that's okay, because she doesn't actually serve any useful purpose whatsoever on the bridge in the first place. Captain, I'm sensing hostility towards (laughs) Christmas. The five depart, and almost immediately, the ship suffers a power disruption that they think is caused by the alien vessel from page one, which has just entered the area. But Riker says uh, it ain't nothing to worry about since it's Christmas time. No, really, he, that's pretty much what he says. Okay. Anyway, salutations are exchanged, and Riker invites the Beyonder, I'm sorry, Bronder is his name, might as well be Beyonder, because that's what I think they were going for. I don't know. That's just the feeling I got. He invites Bronder and his guys over for eggnog and a gift exchange. Meanwhile, the others are downstairs getting ready for the party by adorning themselves with gay apparel. No, I mean really gay apparel. Just look at Jordy and Tata. Just they kiss gather- the men. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They gather at the holodeck, which has been converted into a ski resort, which I gotta say was actually pretty cool. That's like the one cool thing in the entire story was the ski resort on the holodeck. That that was actually kind of neat. Picard and Yar go to the transporter room to meet the alien delegation and tour them around the ship while proceeding back to the party. One of the aliens ducks out immediately, wanders around on his own for a while, and bumps into Wesley Crusher. Security, as you may recall, is shit on the Enterprise. Wesley, being a tattletaling, sneaky little shit after all, goes to Picard to rat out the alien. At first, Picard just ignores him, but Wesley keeps whining, and Picard confronts Bronder about his crewman's actions, almost starting an interstellar incident, but eventually it's decided that it was actually more fun ignoring Wesley, so they go back to that. Wesley runs off and pouts, and Deanna follows. Things get really, really strange and wacky, and essentially it turns out... Okay, are you strapped in and ready for this? I'm ready. A disembodied and vaguely Santa Claus-shaped any energy creature is loose aboard the ship, and mm-hmm. Bronder's people are trying to capture it. I'm not making any of that up. It's but suddenly- tell us, why are they trying to capture it? <laughs> that You got me on that. I have no idea. <laughs> it suddenly bursts out of data... And I think they were just going for an alien moment here. I don't know what that was all about. Where it had been hiding, and Bronder's guys strip off their space ninja outfits to reveal themselves unto their claws. And they all look like, are you ready for this? The Grinch. No, seriously, they're Grinch people. So they chase this alien energy thing all over the ship, despite the fact that only LaForge can see it, apparently. And eventually, to, quote-unquote, ships north. Which is about the time that I was just like, Jesus, can I find another book? You know what um, I mean, one. Ships North is, as, Grinch. May, <laughs> as you may have guessed, Ships North turns out to be the bridge. This was before 10 forward, apparently. There, the energy creature goes from skinny sad Santas to a bowl full of jelly version of Santa by absorbing the Christmas spirit of the crew. As repayment, it gives them a group orgasm and then flees. And that's the end of the story. And holy shit, where to start with this one? I don't... Wow. Did you guys get a chance to read this? Every time a phaser fires, an angel (laughs) angel gets his wings. (laughs) Oh, man. I sat down before we started to record, and I, I, you know, again, I was a little under the gun time-wise. And I read my book, and then I had a little more time, so I picked this one up, and I started to read it. And I thought, what a piece of crap. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, there are so many just flat, uncomfortable moments in this. But when I realized at the end of this story that the, it, it, you know, it's one of the, I don't know who is actually speaking here, which is one of the major problems with the story. Half the time you don't know who's talking. But when Santa refills essentially on their emotions, somebody says, and it looks like it wants to pay us back. And you've got this moment where everybody's standing in a circle, which, you know, the group walk is. Yeah, and they do. Everybody is, yeah. And it's, oh my God, is that, that's. Somebody's saying, woog. The hell is a woog? It's bad. Even the people, when it goes through, the the entity on its way out passes through the alien ship and they all have their little moment too. And it's, I'm like, God. This is just, it's so wrong on so many levels. See, this, where this doesn't work, okay, the reason why I think Paul and I thought the last one worked is because they're going for camp with the Scrooge story, but it's still a comic book. 
right. in a comic book world. And it's also in the, the Silver Age back, you know, it's it's in that era. Here we have like the same mentality of a story, but it's set in a futuristic setting with real characters. Well, you know what I mean. Right. You know, a show that's more based in a scientific reality. And, uh, wow, it just, I don't know. Mm. So here's the thing. So I started going through that. Well, actually, as I was reading it, I was taking all kinds of notes. And I quickly realized about halfway through the story that I had an issue with just about every page in the book. In some instances, every panel on every page in the book. So eventually, about page 13, I just gave up. But here's the highlights of, of where I was going before I finally said, you know what? This could be three episodes. So... Stop me if you if you see anything else that that needs to be pointed out. Um, page one, I mean, not really anything happens here. Page two, second panel. So this is Picard delivering his captain's log, and there's just this odd thing. He says, "We'd hope to be there before the holidays." And he's talking about they're on their way to some star system. He says, "But you might say that fate's lights have been against us most of the." What the hell is he talking about? I what? don't know. Fate's lights. You could, so, just could have said fate has been against us. I don't understand the fate light. Fate lights. Right. So did, the crew, did you make a note of why everybody is like super buff? Yeah, you got buff Jordy. And this thing is just it's awful. Yeah. And I, I really didn't only because for a time before um, it's I don't know what demise uh, hiatus, whatever's going on with Star Trek Monthly Monday for a time, Chris Honeywell and I were covering Star Trek The Next Generation, the, the DC series. Now, the, that's the series after this series, the ongoing series. And unfortunately, it had the same art team. Mm. And the joke that I used to continually make is it looked like the entire cast had been replaced by Kaminoans from Star Wars because everybody <laughs> has this weird, stretchy, elongated look to them. And it's just bizarre. It, you Everybody's, know, I, hmm? I really hope that when you get to page three, you said something about the last panel, how that that's Chris Honeywell to the right and that's you <laughs> to the left with your chin going. <laughs> you know, I didn't, but that really does look like Chris Honeywell on page three. That's the and that thing. and that could be just you looking over going. <laughs> but no, I mean, I so I, I have I have actually an order to this. So, I, but okay. going back to page two, that second panel, so. The basically the day shift is being relieved by the night shift is kind of the feeling I've got here. So Picard apparently he he doesn't say anything to this. I get the feel we're coming in like mid conversation, and Riker is saying, um, "Well, all Picard says is he says you have the bridge." And Riker says, "Thank you, Captain." He goes, "I do not anticipate any problems tonight. It's traditionally a quiet evening, galaxy wide." <laughs> what bullshit? So everybody uh, celebrates Christmas the same. Exactly. Is Riker really implying that, for one, Christmas is system-wide, but also that the entire galaxy, it's Christmas Eve, essentially. Now, Because the entire might, galaxy follows the Earth calendar. Yeah, that's... I'm, yeah, and a 24-hour day. I don't know what the hell is going on there. And then, so they head out to the party and everything... And Deanna actually asked Worf, are you coming? And he, I love this bit of dialogue. He says, sorry, Counselor Troy, 
but I can use uh, the extra time at my station, even though my Klingon people uh, celebrate the coming of our gods this season as well. So I'm thinking, great. So Worf is a heathen, essentially, is what he's saying. He's like, I'm not going to church tonight. But Worf was raised by Earth yeah, parents. So you figure the Roshanko, so you figured he would celebrate Christmas. Not yet, he weren't, apparently. So mm. yeah. Yeah, well, that came bet- up about three or four seasons later. Yeah. I am not a merry man. Grabbing <laughs> <laughs> uh, speed. A lot of my notes, and I, I finally did cut this out after a time noting it, but a lot of my notes had to do with just wonky ass dialogue. It always jumps out to me when I think that the writer's not terribly familiar with the minutia of Star Trek. I mean, there's one thing, you know, it's a difference between, you know, whether you know the a- names of the alien races, but when you don't even understand the basics of how the ship or the universe that they're operating in works, it really jumps out to me. So, excuse me, there's a moment where, what the hell is this dude's name? Scooch? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Turns around in his chair with his head at an angle that really should indicate that his neck has been broken. And he says, Commander Riker, I've picked up an alien reading on my panel. What the, What does that even mean? He is an alien, so what, what is an alien reading? And then Worf says, looks interesting, sir. Uncategorized alien vessel entering at the equivalent of our warp two. No, he's not. He's entering at warp two. That would be like, you know, you and I are going down the road in our car and we see somebody else blow past us and we go, that guy was going the equivalent of our hundred miles an hour. That makes no <laughs> sense. That makes zero sense whatsoever. Well, Am I right? If, you th- if your thought process is Worf's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, oh, it's just, ah, oh. oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Panel three. See, this is what I'm saying. Every single panel I've got an issue with here. So <laughs> Riker says, have a good time, Captain and enjoy yourself and Riker or Picard goes as I've already told you commander that is highly unlikely what a dick (laughs) what a just complete asshole I'm like you know it's Christmas didn't he go on to play Scrooge at some point I think he did he did a one man show okay all right I'm seeing all right I'm seeing the parallels how come they got to point at everybody you know it's like on page two Picard's pointing at Riker here well, look Riker's at Riker's giving him like the Heil Hitler salute, and McCord's like, and then he's pointing to the, the, the everything. Everything is like this yeah. over grandeur gestures when, like, on the show, they just kind of stand there, you know, and well, just look talk. At Riker on in the fourth panel right there, he's so buff he can't scratch his own ass. Look at he's, that. How can he even stand at that? And look at the angle he's turned. <laughs> his body is straight at us. And his neck is almost turned completely around, and his arm is behind himself, pointing to the view screen. But just turn around. That uniform leaves very little to the imagination. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, ooh, you see well, the little will. <laughs> that bottom panel. Is there not a height adjustment on that chair? How uncomfortable would that be? <laughs> I mean, seriously. It's a lounge chair. Oh my lord. All right, page four. I don't really have anything on that one. It's not really good, but I don't have any issues with it. Uh, I'll tell you what, that's a better drawing of the Enterprise than the one on the on the freaking second page. Because the one on the second page looks like ass. Yeah. Well, they often did not draw the ships looking very good at all. Uh, page five, second panel. That dude looks like he's asleep at his station. <sighs> Again... The fourth panel, Worf, you, your head doesn't turn like that. Am I, I mean, is it me? 
Well, oh, that's not Worf. That's the guy. Is that Worf or is that the guy? The... Oh, maybe Who knows? Scooch or Scooch. Scooch has that. Now, the the last panel, that is a nice photo reference picture of Riker. Yeah, very <laughs> Right. Yes, that is straight from like a like a trading card or something there. Yeah. You know, I just noticed that Riker on that was it'll be the sixth panel. The, the one where Scooch is turning around his neck at an unnatural angle to talk to him. From the waist down, I'm pretty sure that's a woman's body. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What? Uh, I don't know the hell Worf is doing in that next to last panel right there. He's like simultaneously going ta-da and <laughs> smelling something foul at the same time. He's going hey, He's- Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one to me was absolutely unforgivable. Last panel of page six. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The second panel of page six. Where's Riker's arms? <laughs> Um, I know they're probably in front of him, but yeah, he's hiding his hands almost completely in front of him, too. It's like, where, what is going on here? Well, wasn't he like twice as buff a minute ago as well? <laughs> yeah, I don't. <sighs> but that last panel, he, he's talking to the alien guys. They wrap up their little conversation. He says, very well, prepare to be teleported in the next 30 standard. <laughs> they don't teleport. They transport. And I know that's 38 standard minutes. What does it take that long to uh, whatever? Don't know. And then he signs off and he says, give him a few minutes, Worf, and then contact Captain. Why? You're in charge, dude. Why? You can make decisions. You're a big boy now. (laughs) What the hell that's all about. Okay. This is one of my absolute favorite pages. Page seven. Oh my God. This could be an entire podcast about just this page. All right. For one thing, panel one, what the hell is that thing that she is sitting in? It looks like the Legion of Superheroes had a garage sale or something, and she bought and she picked this up on the cheap, right? This is like a combination like beanbag, shower, telephone, perfume thing. I don't. What is this? On the I one hand, she you. does look smoking hot, though. She does look really good. Mm-hmm. But also, I have to ask: at this point in the story, she's already smelled the alien fart, so you only have one job. If your spider sense is going off this much that you're still stressing about it several pages later, shouldn't she speak up and say something to somebody? And she doesn't. And I hate this with Deanna Troy because this is actually very true to the series itself. She would do this shit all the time. She would always talk, you know, speak up and go, Captain, I sense duplicity. And everybody else is like, yeah, no shit. But then when it's actually important and she does sense something, then she keeps it to herself. And it's like she's so inconsistent in her character. It makes me crazy. Panel two, John Luke Picard. Unlike Jerry Seinfeld, he really does want to be a pirate. Look at that (laughs) shirt he's got on. That is ridiculous. That is really bad. Panel three got Tasha Yar. So I'm Mm. thinking that the Legion of Superheroes really did have a garage sale because that's totally Night Girl's outfit. (laughs) <laughs> that said though ooh slutty Tasha Yar <laughs> I like that panel though that actually is a good one she looks good in that tomboyish kind of way um, panel 4 this is my big question of the issue who are these assholes they Isn't must have been in, and, uh, oh no Mrs. Big no they're, 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 they're in another page way. later in the story yeah they're probably just introduced for this book they're know in, you know. Know. nice shot of her in her underwear though I do like <laughs> that um, I don't know what to make of Wesley's mom. What, she's what wearing like a fur over or something. Yeah, she looks like she's like 
like somebody skinned about 50 uh, tribbles and made some yeah, for, it, out for everybody's outfit is just bizarre all like right, I said, last... Data's one of the village people. Yeah, well, uh, oh, you stole my joke. I was just going to say, you've heard of Buck Rogers in the 25th century? Well, this is village people of the 24th century. <laughs> oh, I, I think I think he looks like, uh, what was it, Apu from Aladdin? The monkey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, oh, man, it's bad. Well, plus, here's the, you know, so his outfit is just, it's beyond, uh, it's just awful. And, and Jordy's is no better. So, obviously, as we cut to them, Gata must have been concerned about his looks because the very, very first thing that's being said in the panel is Jordy is going, you look fine, Data, now just relax. May I remind you, sir, you are blind. <laughs> and it's obvious in this panel. Well, he's telling Data to relax and he has no emotions at this point. Yeah, really. Friends don't let friends wear this outfit out of the house, okay? It's, it's, it's bad. Also... Has to be noted, data using contractions. Mm. My God, it's lore. <laughs> um, page eight, first panel. Wow. So Christmas pretty much has become a sex orgy by the 24th century is what I'm thinking. And I, I'm just that's just my assumption just based on the clothes here because I'm really confused and uncomfortable at this point. Uh, second panel, though, as I said before, this is the one cool moment of the entire issue. The ski resort on the holodeck is actually pretty damn cool. I like that. Um, the last three panels on page eight. Again, I have to ask, who are these assholes? Who are these people? This is all they do is is bitch and fight and complain and, and everything with each other through the entire issue. And then they take one moment to kiss. And I guess this is supposed to be high comedy or something. But I don't know who these people are. So I have no frame of reference for, for what is going on here. Is this some sort of ongoing shtick from like the first issue or something, or, or were they supposed to be, you know, characters we'd come to care about? Or so? I don't know who they are. So it, it's <laughs> lost <laughs> <stuff> <laughs> me. Uh, page nine, we get this uh, this alien-looking dude operating the transporter, and you know, I really wish that there had been this many alien care, uh, crew members aboard the Enterprise in the TV series because I actually like the first season of next gen quite a bit, especially the pilot episode, because it gives me a very, you know, star Trek, the motion picture vibe that, and I think they were going for that intentionally. I think that's one of the aspects of the motion picture that they were trying to recapture was this sense of more of a multicultural crew, you know, multi-race crew and all that. But unfortunately it, it wasn't on TV. So rather than, lend a sense of, of, of cool or whatever with the comics over time it actually started to kind of annoy me i know what they were going for but i actually for me personally i actually think it works against them because it, it lends a sense of you're, you're trying to give me the budget that the tv show doesn't have and i i appreciate that but then it doesn't have the same flavor that the tv show has because this isn't what the tv show looks like does that make any sense mm. do you know what i mean no uh. <laughs> yes and it's got to be said um there's actually no seated positions in the transporter room at least at least not that i ever remember so this guy gets to sit down and everybody else has got to stand up what's that shit about is it because he's an alien maybe he's a midget <laughs> maybe he doesn't have legs <laughs> oh so i'm the insensitive one now okay. that's right um and then the bottom two panels of page nine did tasha yard just school john luke picard on first contact protocols because I kind of like that. 
you would think that the seasoned captain of the Enterprise would be, you know, kind of up on his protocols for that. Well, sort she of- is the security officer. I guess, but I thought that was actually actually yeah, I thought that was actually pretty funny. Um, page ten, these guys at the party with uh, Doctor Crusher are they supposed to be crew members? Lock them to the party because that one has like a cyborg pirate eye or something there, <laughs> and the other one kind of looks like Brainiac in a nice suit. Uh, actually, the other one's that's what, a, a uh, yeah, that's the guy that breathes the. I think he breathes the uh, the what the. The gas that blows up around his face. He's got whiskers. Oh, is that him? I thought he was the dude that like cut people's hair and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the Mott. The Bolian. The Bolian. Mott. Yeah, I think that was his name. Yeah, I forgot. Um, Now, jumping all the way ahead to page 12. If you guys have anything else, by by all means, jump in. Oh, no. That's fine. Um, But on page 12, it takes Wesley to point out that Picard apparently can't count. Oh, wait, on page 11, we had the uh, photo-referenced Will Wheaton. Oh, yeah, very. Yeah. Very, because he looks nothing like that in the entire rest of the issue. But page 12, we do have the photo-referenced boobs of Deanna Troy (laughs) in the middle of the page there with, uh, you know, sex slave data behind her. Also, the very bottom panel is is, is, to be photo-referenced also. Yeah. But, I mean, so Wesley points this out. You know, Picard invited this small band of aliens what is there's like six of them aboard and one of them immediately wanders off on his own and then later when when picard points it out to him he actually he gets upset for with with wesley he says wesley a little respect for our visitors might be in order shut up shut up wesley (laughs) so is, is picard actually implying that these guys should be accorded free reign to just roam the ship because that's what i'm getting from this I, I don't know. Draw your own, own conclusions. No, I'm getting on. the same thing. Picard. Or, no, this is stupid me. Picard. Yeah, yeah, he's stupid and crotchety at this point. Um, Data is yeah, total like gay sex slave here. I don't know what's going on with that whole thing. Bow, 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 um, bow. Deanna gets a space headache. So for those playing along at home, take a drink. Mm. Um, and then, you know, again, you turn the page. And again, they're discussing how odd it is that they're not detecting any alien when the alien people that are on the ship are looking for an alien. She's just felt an alien presence and doesn't say anything to anybody. It's like, ah, makes me nuts. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah. 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 Move along. Move along. Have you here at this point? Honestly, I stopped taking notes because I'm like, I will be here the entire rest of the night because it's every thing about this story is just wrong. <laughs> the, the reveal that the space ninja people are actually Grinch people was just, I'm like, come on. And then the shot where we're seeing the entity through Jordy's visor and it's clearly Santa Claus. I'm like, wow. Okay. It, I, it looks know, like a skinny old man. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says, but that's well, not like what the jolly art old is. Man. Yes, exactly. That is totally not what the art is showing us. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah it's just... The whole grid from thing here on so forced. And, and like, you know, we talked about awful. earlier, though, where the other book felt like they wanted you to snicker. So... This book page, feels like they want you to take it serious. Right. Page, page 15, when has Deanna Troy been able to read people's thoughts like this? 
she's basically, you know, she's reading his mind. She's not that f- powerful of a telepath, isn't she? Well, she's she only can only half betazoid too. Right. She can only. Like, she's not like her mother. She can only get right. like f- surface feelings and stuff. And she's like, "Damn, I can't read him through all of his covering." What? <laughs> <laughs> what did he borrow? You know, is 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 his outfit made of the same stuff the Juggernaut wears? Oh, come on. Whatever. It's yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. The art's bad. The story's bad. It's it's rough. I mean, about the from here, on, I'm I'm flipping through quickly the rest of the pages, and I think the only thing that has appealed to me so far is at the top of page 19. That shot of Yar is oh just, yeah, was just looking at that. It's yeah. like hubba hubba hubba. I like that, but uh, and then they they they're as they're chasing the entity, they walk past other rooms that are apparently there's segregation on the Enterprise because it's saying these are the mark. Marciac, Marciac crewmen crewman really know how to and celebrate. They, what the heck's going by on in this room? Drempolian uh, triac party. So each different like species or whatever of crew member are all gathered and and celebrating in their own way. Yeah, as you say, what the hell is going on with the Marciac people? They're well, they got I a don't... bunch of girls doing the maypole dance with no maypoles, <laughs> and they got a bunch of. They got a bunch of guys doing handstands, but they're like, they're all, I don't, I, it's, they look like they're, I don't know. They're wearing Aqualad's boots and standing (laughs) on their heads, but their hands are all touching, reach, they're all converging to one point and they come out like some type of tree thing, plant. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm confused. Are they are they in mid motion as we're seeing this? Because otherwise, how could you hold that pose? I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I. And you've got you've got two people, one person sitting in a chair, and another person standing next to them with their tidy whities showing on the off the back. <laughs> I don't know. What's oh, I didn't going even notice there. that before. Yeah, it's cosmic fruit of the looms there. I did not yeah. notice that. And then you got, then we've got the Badoon. I guess the Badoon are on the Enterprise. They're doing their little celebration. Everybody's got their arms up the air, in the air, waving them like they just don't care. See, I, you know, I would have thought that. And the these... one guy's got a robe with a with like the PBS insignia, the first P on the PBS backwards P there on his on his robe. I don't know. And this other guy's just lounging. Watching. I would have thought that these were like different, like alien de- delegations or something. If it hadn't been for the fact that somebody actually says crew members, that's so a lot of crew members of one yeah. race. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, there's a lot of people on the Enterprise, so I guess you could have, you know, we have to have equal representation of the galaxy. Shut <laughs> up. Yes. Get off my ship. Let's get off my ship. Cast. It's just, it's not right. It's so, it's so bizarre. I, I How was bizarre. You know, you'd love to talk to uh to Mike Carlin and just you know, just ask, you know, what the hell were you thinking with this issue? What what's the thought process oh. that we do this? But, but wait, when we get to page what is it, twenty two, the third panel in where we just see the top of Scoot's eyes <laughs> like he's like looking like <laughs> God <I'm, laughs> why did I take this assignment? He looks I, like Kilroy is here. He's <laughs> like I really hate Riker. I want to get off this shift. This guy sucks. <laughs> I love the Grinch head guy at the bottom of the piece. Like, Gah! <laughs> he's just making the stupidest face. Durf. Oh, man. All right. So, like I said, I, I could go on all night just tearing this one to pieces, but I've had my fun. I'm ready to grade this thing. 
Um, the cover is is awful. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go D minus. The only thing that keeps this from being a flat F is that you can make all kinds of fun of it. But that's about it. I mean, it's it's bad. It's badly composed. It's badly drawn. The perspectives are all weird and wonky, and the people are stretchy and freaky looking. And it's just there's mm. no, there's no good discipline of art here at all. I don't think. I don't, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what you guys think of it. But I don't see anything really other than Tasha Yar. I don't think see anything. Some of really the women look good, mm, but mm. yeah, the interior art. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, other than the photo reference stuff, again, everything's weird and stretchy and elongated. And this might, you know, like page seven gives me an idea that, you know what, this art style might be great on like Legion of Superheroes, like 70s Legion, because that's totally what this page looks like. But for what it's supposed to be, it just fails. The perspective, you are failing. It totally failing. It the perspectives are weird and everything's stretchy looking. And as I recall, so long as the series had this art team, this problem of the aliens looking completely friggin' ridiculous carried on through the entire series. When it was the aliens that we knew, like you know, like Romulans or Klingons, they generally looked like everything else in the art, you know, and that's that's for you to judge whether you like it or not. But when it came to like the original aliens, like the ones that were being invented for the issue, they invariably look like the Grinch people in this issue. They just look flat, unrealistic and ridiculous. And this is a really bad example because they not only look unrealistic and ridiculous, but they also look just mental or something with their giant like buck teeth. And it's just silly. So I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give the interior art. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to go a D minus on the interior art too. I don't. I think it's just a, stu- a touch up from failing because failing to me is like I can't even follow it. You know what I mean? And I, I can at least follow this. I just don't like it. I think aesthetically it's awful, but I could follow the story more or less. So that's the only thing that saves it from an F. Story. Um, I, I think I'm going to go straight F on the story. It's just stupid. It's just stupid, and there's so many errors in it. And, I mean, I nitpicked a lot of it, but uh, there's a lot of it, too, that, I mean, when you're when you're tackling Star Trek, you know, I mean, I'll cut the writers some slack if they're not 100% versed on it, but there's a difference between not knowing every bit of minutia and trivia about it and just not understanding Star Trek. And at some point in this story, Mike Carlin crossed a line, and and that line just led to it was obvious he was out of his depth with this because <laughs> there's just too much of the dialogue and too much of the te- technical babble stuff that just made you realize this guy doesn't really understand how the show works or how the ship works or how the universe they're operating in works, and that's annoying to me. Um, so yeah, flat F on that and. You know, the only thing I'll give them an A for effort on is, you know, by God, they were trying to do a, a Christmas issue. But even that, I think, really fails badly because when Santa's gift to everybody at the end of the story is to, uh, you know, give them a, a cosmic orgasm, I'm like, really? <laughs> that That's what you're going to go with in a kid's medium? Okay. <laughs> so that's just flat uncomfortable. So. 
as an overall aggregate grade, um, yeah, it's an F. I mean, it's it's just sucks. It's bad. But it was fun. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. I will give it a D minus because the ski resort in the hollow deck saves it from being an F. That was that's still cool. That's actually still a neat idea. But that's it. What did you guys think of this humdinger? You or me, Bill? Uh, I'll go. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the cover. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Where's the last just, one? Where's the sounds la- for our grade? My grade is... <sighs> yeah, so that would be something like a D to a C. Yeah, I mean, whereas the last one was was bad, so was bad when it was good in a camp way. This is just bad. Mm-hmm. I just don't... I don't know. Maybe it could have been better <laughs> if, like, Wesley was buried completely by the snow and the tree had fallen on him and impaled him. Then this cover would, you know, get a little higher. Anything to save us from Will Wheaton? Well, these guys beamed under, beamed over to the Enterprise under false pretenses, and it turned out that they were actually looking for something. So this was a prime, once again, a prime example of Picard missing a great opportunity to get rid of Wesley. Because why didn't you just give Wesley over to these guys and be like, here, here's what you're looking for. Here it is. Here's take the it. entity. Here, take him. Now. Uh, the art, yeah, aside from a few photo reference things and some nice shots of the of the ladies and i guess the the men if you're into beefcake uh (laughs) it's gonna be a d beefcake oh sorry beefcake beefcake (laughs) and for the story it's just ridiculous (laughs) what what (laughs) beefcake (laughs) south park beefcake beefcake the grinches beefcake the the grinches that stole starfleet Oh, it's terrible. Oh, I can't believe they actually made him look like the Grinch, the Jason Santa. It's just, it just doesn't fit. Ah, oh, just, ah, oh, oh, make it stop. <laughs> what was the Grinch from that Thor story? D overall. It was, it was, he was the, like the Grooch or something. Grooch or something like that. Grooch, yeah. Is this his people, maybe? Maybe. This is, this is a case where they cross, cross, a cross company thing. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. The story, I'm going to even give the story just, just a D. So this is like a D D book. Uh, aside from some hot shots of the women, I <laughs> want no part of this. You're a D book. You're a D bit. <laughs> All right, so uh, it's up to me now to say how much I like this one, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. You, you go right ahead. Go ahead. Okay, let's see the cover. Uh, I honestly see no redeeming values in the cover. I'm <laughs> I, I really see nothing. Uh, I see nothing. What about Tasha? I don't think she's drawn that well. I think she's drawn kind of without detail, really. Okay. So I, I you know, I mean, she's okay. She almost looks like Carmine, Carmine Infantino drew her. That's because, well, never mind. All right. When you're not storming the other vessel intent on taking over the ship, how do you holster that gun? <laughs> you got me. So uh, let's see. So it's a, the cover's an F. The story <laughs> is a, a wise man once once said about this story. It's just stupid. <laughs> so I'm going to accept that, and I'm going to give the story an F. And the interior art, shockingly, the only thing I like about the interior art is the photo referencing, which is usually the thing that turns me off the most. Right. 
I think every other aspect of the interior art is just really bad. I think they, you know, everybody's drawn too buff in suits that are too tight. Mm-hmm. You know, the women are hanging out all over the place, which I don't complain about generally, but I don't know if I want it in my Star Trek comic book so much. Right. Uh, the storytelling, I think, is weak. I, I just, I think the art is, like I said, with the exception of the occasional photo reference, I think it's really bad. This story reminds me of a Gold Key Star Trek book. If Gold Key was putting out yes. Next Generation books, this is what they'd do. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give the interior art a D, D minus, because it's got the, uh, you know, it's, it's got the, whatchamacallit, the, the decent photo referencing. But other than that, that's it. So I'm going to give the, the... I guess if it's F F D minus, it's something should just pull that D minus should just pull it up slightly above an F. So I guess the, my overall grade will be D minus minus minus. <laughs> All right, I think that's what we. Yeah, I think you you and I both came to the same uh, the same grade on that. Yeah, this Bill, just... you were you were you were generous. I thought on this one. Yeah, maybe I was too generous. <laughs> you just have a generous spirit. Yeah, for that looks like <laughs> ho ho ho! Now I have a shotgun. Oh, Mina, machine gun. <laughs> well, now so, I have a crap. Look. Now I have a gun with a giant star at the end of it. <laughs> so, kids, if you want to run right out and grab these particular stories, because you know you want to. So, Paul's book was reprinted, as I said, in uh, limited collector's edition C thirty four. It was also reprinted in Best of DC twenty two. Again, in 1988, it was in Christmas with the Superheroes number one, which has an awesome John Byrne wraparound cover. Again, in 2001, in DC Universe Christmas trade paperback. Again, in 2006, Showcase presents Teen Titans volume one. And again, in 2013, Silver Age Teen Titans archives volume two hardcover. It's so a that classic. means that this story was reprinted not once, not twice, not thrice, but six friggin' times. There you go. My because it's a classic. Yeah. Okay. My masterpiece of a story. Oh shit! I had it pulled up here somewhere. Where is it? Was reprinted in Star Trek: The Next Generation Beginnings trade paperback from 1995, which, as I recall, reprints the entire six issue miniseries which yeah don't pay a lot for it and that's pretty much all i got i don't know is this a is this a good christmas episode i think it's a good christmas episode it's two bad christmas books though well no it's one bad christmas book and one questionable christmas book bah humbug (laughs) thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. 
please take a moment to stop by the 2TrueFreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, it was the season to be jolly. And now, you can be jolly too with this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, brought to you from light years across the universe. Classic Holiday Carols, presented by that lovable Jedi Master, Yoda. A Merry Christmas we wish you. That's right. In this limited edition collection, you too can enjoy all of your favorite seasonal songs as they've never been heard before. Why, Christmas I am dreaming of. The ones just like no I used to. Curl up with a cup of cocoa as these sentimental hits bring tears to your eyes. By open fire, nuts of chest are roasting. Home for Christmas. I will be. Yes. Have the kids join in and sing along with Yoda's upbeat jingles. Coming to town, Santa Claus is. All the way, bells jingle, bells jingle. <laughs> Hear Yoda sing songs of old. Hear what I hear, do you? Three ships I saw. Angels on high, we have heard. And songs of new. You for Christmas. All I want is... Get the album that's sweeping the solar systems. Only $19.95. It's a trap! Yes, only $19.95. An excellent stocking stuffer that will make those special someones in your family jump up and cheer. Don't wait. Bring Yoda's carols home to your family this Christmas so you too can enjoy. Round the Christmas tree. We rock! Brought to you by Courtesy of Santa's Workshop and affiliation with Jedi Council. Not yet available under the Tatooine. All major credit cards and Republic credits accepted. Shipping and handling not included.